Good day, everyone. The uh, psalm for today is Psalm 34. And uh, this psalm of David, he is extolling the virtues of the, of the Lord. And this was written, I have here in my Bible, Psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. So he was hiding from Saul, running, looking for a place to hide. Well, you could hide safely in the land of the enemy because Saul wouldn't, or Saul, pardon me, David wouldn't come after him there. And so that's where he was. And uh, he says, after Abimelech had driven him away and he survived Saul's chasing at that moment, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And that took me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, where it says, in everything, Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So when life doesn't make sense, give thanks to God. We can do that. God is the only reason, and he is enough reason, to simply give thanks, especially when we don't understand. I had a gentleman in the church foyer the other day. Uh, in passing, he said, oh, hi, Wayne, how's, how's life treating you? And I said, life? <laughs> life can be terrible, but God is good. And he agreed. So David, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. At this point, he's on a journey. Remember where he came from. Psalm 109 will help you with that. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Ephesians 5.20. Ephesians 5.20, and it's good to put these verses together. Thessalonians and 5, 1 Thessalonians 5 and Ephesians 5.20. And here, Paul says to the Ephesians, giving thanks always for, for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I've noticed in my life, it's easier to begin giving thanks to God in everything. I can do that because God is worthy of giving thanks to, whether I think I understand what he's doing or not. And then in Ephesians 5, as we mature, as we see God's deliverance, more often in our lives, we begin to understand that we can actually be, we can actually give him thanks for everything. Because there's nothing I can do that will stop him from using it for good in my life. Even my mistakes. Everything he uses together for good. So verse 2, my, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. And now in Verse 4 of Psalm 34, I sought the Lord, and he heard me. This is David's, um, well, that's why he's rejoicing, because he sought the Lord, and he heard him. On those days when he's saying nothing, and we really, really want to hear him, we need to wait through those days, maybe wade through those days, and keep praying, and keep seeking the Lord, because he has heard us. The last half of verse 4, and he delivered me from all my fears. In Matthew 7, verse 7, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened to you. Ask for the kingdom of God. Seek for the kingdom of God. Knock on heaven's door, and he will answer you. So when our heart is in the right place, God is there in our midst. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him, this is verse 7, and delivers them. So again, David is noticing how God moved in this situation. I found, um, pardon me, verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. I found that as a pastor, a lot of things I could solve without getting up from my desk. 
I like those. And that's the way I tried to work all the time. I would begin by praying, and then maybe if I get a phone call by the end of the day or something, and it was solved, that was good. If not, then I'd have to get a little more involved. But I, I like it best when I could just pray, and it would be done. And I think the Lord likes that too. If we would trust him to that point, I think maybe we'd see more of his hand. But I've also gone through long periods of time in my life when it seemed as though God were silent. But still at work, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Verse 16. Maybe what happened to Saul, and he remembers it, and he put it in Islam. Verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So David's faith is growing as a result of the battles that he has been in with, with the Lord. I want to read you from a little, read something from a little book. It's called A Tale of Three Kings. And this is a book about King Saul, King David, and David's son Absalom, who tried to become king. And how God works. Sometimes we throw our hands up and say, I don't need this, or I don't need to go through this. We don't know that much about our lives or life in general. We have to trust God. So in this little book, I, and if you've ever gone through difficulty in church and been unduly um, reprimanded or insulted, uh, A Tale of Three Kings by Jean Edwards is a very good book. Chapter five, God has a, God has a university. It's a small school, very uh, few enroll, even fewer graduate. Very, very few indeed. God has this school because he does not have broken men. Instead, he has several other types of men. This goes for men and women, speaking of mankind here. Instead, he has several other types of men. He has men who claim to be God's authority and are not. Men who claim to be broken and are not. And men who are God's authority, but who are mad and unbroken. He, and he has, regretfully, a spectroscopic mixture of everything in between. All these things he has in abundance, but broken men, hardly at all. God's sacred school of submission and brokenness in this school. Why are there so few students? Because all who are in this school must suffer much pain. And as you might guess, it is often the unbroken ruler whom God sovereignly picks who meets out the pain. David was once a student in this school. And Saul was God's chosen way to crush David. As the king grew in madness, David grew in understanding. He knew that God had placed him in the king's palace under true authority. The authority of King Saul, true? Yes, God's chosen authority, chosen for David. Unbroken authority, yes, but divine in ordination nonetheless. Yes, that is possible. David grew, drew in his breath placed himself under his mad king and moved farther down the path 
of his earthly hell. I know some of this university myself. It happens to lots of people. And God works in that. My paraphrase of this book, of these three kings, is simply this, that God used Saul to drive the Saul out of David's heart. Some things won't leave our heart without adversity. We cling to things and we don't want to move. We often don't move until where we've been is so uncomfortable we can't live there anymore. And so God works. He's so faithful even when we're not faithful. And that's how he works. In my own life, I received a call into ministry one year after I got saved. So I was 27 then. And uh, it was a call into full-time ministry. I knew it was. And it never happened for 22 years. Oh, I did lots of other stuff. I had an itinerant preaching ministry and other things. But that call was never fulfilled until 22 and a half years later. It was tough. It was really tough. And through all of this, God was teaching me things that I needed for ministry, for what he was going to do in, in my life. Actually, my last job I had, my, my boss um, um, had a drinking problem uh, and he was a workaholic and, uh, as well, and he thought all that was, was normal. And it was my working through him, for, working for him, that God was working into me, my time management, stress management, and people management for pastoring. When I entered the ministry at 49 years old, it was all there, everything that I needed. I wasn't sure if I was educated enough. I was, because God was at work. And so when I look back and I think, what was that all about? Well, basically, I think it took God that long to get me over myself to the point that he was a bigger picture than I was. Have a good day.